welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Good morning. Welcome to the meeting of Sexaholics Anonymous. This is Acceptance is the Answer. My name is Tom M. I'm from Rochester, New York. And and this is Wally. From St. Louis. And we will be facilitators for this session. Uh, The name, uh, please take a moment to silence all electric devices. If you need to use yours during this meeting, please take it outside. Please join me in a moment of silence followed by the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Thine will, not mine. Yeah. In the spirit of the twelfth tradition, to carry the message, this meeting is being recorded. The recorder will not be turned off for any reason. If you wish to share, please speak directly into the microphone so the listener can follow you. If you wish not to be recorded, we invite you to participate by listening or attending another session. Please do not touch any of the recording equipment. So for about uh, 25 minutes or so, uh, both Wally and I will share some of our experience, strength, and hope. And then after that, we'll be asking individuals to share if you wish. Wally, would you like to start her off? Let's start off with a a quote from the, the big book. On page 449, this is the third edition, so I don't, it's out of somebody's story. And acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life, unacceptable to me, and I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it's supposed to be at this moment. Nothing. Absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Until I could accept my alcoholism, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and in my attitudes. And I think, to me, all these steps, in one way or another, are about acceptance. Step one, I have to accept, I don't have control of my life, it's unmanageable, it's going crazy, i got to accept that. And until I do that, I'm not going to get anywhere. I have to accept it as it is. Second step, I have to accept that there is some sort of higher power, God, great spirit, whatever, that can't does have some sort of order to the world, and if I 
you know, I can be a part of that. I can join that. And step three is me making the decision to participate in that order, to want to go along and give my life over to that higher power. How do I do that? I do the rest of the steps. To me, that's the way it works. That decision at step three is to continue. If I don't make that decision to continue and do that work to become a part of it, I haven't really done that step three, I don't think. That's the way it hits me. Um, and, and to me, my spiritual awakening, which occurs at step 12, I think too often I kept thinking it was supposed to happen at step one or two or something, but it says the spiritual awakening in step 12, that's the result of the steps. For me, it was basically I'm not God. More than anything else, I had to accept I'm not God. I can't control it. And I've got to turn my life over to him. And to do that, I need humility, accepting who I am, not humiliation, humility, and gratitude. I've got to be grateful for what I have and not be always thinking about, well, what can I manipulate to get something else? You know. Um, okay. Thank you, Wally. Uh, where Wally uh, read, of course, was from the big book. And I'd like to continue on another paragraph, which I think is very appropriate to what we're talking about here on acceptance. It said, Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. He forgot to mention that I was the chief critic. I was always able to see the flaw in every person, every situation. And I was always glad to point it out because I knew you, I knew you wanted perfection just as I did. AA and acceptance have taught me that there is a bit of good in the worst of us and a bit of bad in the best of us, that we are all children of God and we each have a right to be here. When I complain about me or about you, I am complaining about God's handiwork. I am saying that I know better than God. I think this is a real, you know, this is really beautiful in that <laughs> when I criticize other people, uh, you know, uh, I don't realize the, uh, you know, uh, that we all have a bit of good and a bit of bad in each of us. And really the focus needs to be on myself not on that other person and me wanting to change or, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, condemn or whatever this other person. Uh, I wanted to also uh, read the full serenity prayer. In my own spiritual life, I like to, uh, I like, I love the serenity prayer, but I like the whole serenity prayer to read that in the morning uh, after I wake up in the morning. And to me, I think it's very uh, meaningful, especially in today's times. Serenity Prayer God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as he did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will. 
that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. And I just want to say, you know, that has meant a lot to me. Uh, and I mentioned, you know, today, considering today's world situation and all that, a lot of the people that I have, you know, that I live with and uh, work with and all that have been very uh, upset, if you want to say, about the world's conditions. And uh, politically, whatever you want to say, economically, etc. And I just want to say this has helped me a lot uh, by saying the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, and trusting that he will make it all right if I surrender to his will. So that has meant a lot to me uh, in my own serenity in dealing with the situations uh, it, that are going on in this world. I just want to mention a little thing about my own self, uh, about acceptance. One of the things that has been uh, difficult for me in my acceptance has been my marriage situation. Uh, the big thing was I was married to this lady for 22 years, and I, uh, I told her even before I got in this actual program, you know, that I was a sexaholic. <laughs> Uh, my, 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 uh, addiction is I'm a transvestite and compulsive masturbation. And I said this to her because there was a situation going on with my older son at the time. He was having mental health problems. And I thought my acting out, which was, do which I was doing for 35 years, was affecting him. And I was wondering, you know, and I want, I thought maybe I had to mention this to the psychologist and all that, uh, to see if I could help him. Well, I mentioned it to my wife, and she said at that time, she says, hey, we'll deal with it. It'll be okay. Uh, you know, we'll work through it, Tom. Well, about every month or so thereafter, she blew up at me and say, you know, got really angry and resentful and all this, and she then said, why the hell did you tell me? Why did you tell me about your your thing? And then she admitted later on, I cannot live with a with a sexaholic. I will not accept it. When will you ever go out and act out again? And I said to her, well, I don't know, but by the grace of God in this fellowship, I'm hoping I'll stay sober. She said, how do I know that's going to happen? I says, you really don't know. I says, you really don't know it only by the faith and, you know, faith and trust in God about the whole thing. So she says, I'm, I have to divorce you. I cannot live with you. So at that point in time, I, uh, I wanted to be married. I had four children, the most important thing in my life, you know, uh, and I got to admit this too, was uh, I was thinking, you know, the most important thing in my life was God. Well, it really wasn't. The most important thing in my life was my family, was my wife. God, in effect, was my wife at that time. I mean, God, my wife was God at, at that time, really. And I lost the concept of God in every way, shape, or manner. And I didn't like myself at all. In fact, I hated myself. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I just didn't know God inside me at all. So she rejected me. And uh, uh, I had real, you know, I fought that over and over and all that because, you know, I wanted the marriage, 
you know, and it took a long time before I was able to accept the fact of, of uh, I couldn't change her. I tried, God knows I tried, and I stuck in there, and I, you know, I even fought the divorce for a period of time. Uh, and, you know, after a while, I got in touch with this, the serenity prayer, and I got in touch with acceptance because it was tearing me apart. I wasn't able to control this situation in any way, shape, or manner, nor should I have. So I had to let go of it. I had to let go and accept the fact that, hey, she has her own thing, and what can I do about that? Uh, that was where she is, and uh, uh, it was the most painful thing in my life to let go of that marriage. That was 27 years ago, all right? But one of the things that happened uh, because of that was everybody rejected me, as I said, and I was able to find God. He was the only one that did not reject me. And I reached out and I said, God, save me. Help me in this situation. And it was really the time I first found God and started to let go of these other things like my wife is my God, my children, and other people. So uh, I am really, you know, to me, acceptance has been a big thing in my life. Uh, uh, to accept the the things that hit, you know that God has presented to me. So thank you for letting me share that. Um, do you have anything else to say at this time, Molly? Um, the world, you know, I mentioned before, kind of going along with what God wants. You know, finding my place in God's world, and God gives an order to the world. My higher power has some sort of order, and I have to go along with that if things are going to go well. One way I thought of this was I throw a rock in the air, gravity says it's going to come back down. I can't wish it to stay up there any more than I can wish I can control truth by lying about my lust or acting out, or um, I can control time, the time I waste, you know, I can, any more than I can control other people. You know, there are just certain facts about life and living in the world that I can't change. You know, I, in physics, you would call them laws. You know, that's kind of a harsh word in some ways, but it's kind of like that. This is the way the world, you know, if A, then B. And until I'm willing to accept that and not try to say, no, I want it to be C, I'm going to have a hard time. And that's been a lot of what's been behind my... Uh, Addiction, my obsession. And we talk about surrendering to that, the way things should be, to the way God wants it to be. That sounds, you know, accepting defeat has a negative ring to it. But if you think about it, there's a really positive aspect to it. When you think of something like the prodigal son story, when the son accepted defeat and went back to his father, his father threw a party. You know, it wasn't that he got punished. It's not like some old tribes that when they lost the war, they got killed by the winners. No, when you surrender to a higher power, he's glad of it. You know, things usually work out well. But that idea of defeat has been ingrained in me that it's hard to do that and surrender. Um, there was a movie back in the 60s, and the premise of the movie was that this little tiny country was going broke. And they thought the way they could get some money was declare war on the United States and then surrender. 
and the United States will give them all kinds of money. And that's kind of the way God is. If you surrender to him, he'll take care of you, you know. And so I think of that a lot when I think of that concept of surrender. Uh, Two obstacles that I can think of to surrendering and accepting life as it is. Uh, One is partial surrender. There used to be a uh, a bumper sticker years ago that said, God's my co-pilot. Then about a year later, a bumper sticker came out that said, if God's your co-pilot, who's driving? You know? So I think sometimes I've often asked God to help me, help me do my will. And I'm trying more often now to say, God, how can I help you? How can I do your will? And it's a different shift in thinking, but it helps me to accept life better, to think of me helping him rather than him helping me, because that way he's in control. I had an experience once, the the whole surrender thing, Kind of baffled me a bit in the beginning, but one day I was driving home and I started obsessing, lusting, and I thought, you know what? I, I said, God help me. And I said, No. God, I'm gonna act out when I get home. I know I will. I'm gonna look at something I shouldn't look at. If you don't want me to, you're gonna have to do something about it. I am powerless. And it's the first time I think I really accepted powerlessness. I said, I know I'm gonna do this. I can't control it. So if you don't want me to do it, you're going to have to do something. Three hours later, I remembered having said that prayer. It was gone instantly. I never had another thought of it for three hours. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, I was in the car and I said that prayer. And it was gone. That's happened to me a couple times. To me, that's surrender. Really accepting that I am really powerless. Excuse me. Um. Another obstacle that I really had, I had an old concept of God uh, from when I was little, this old man in a robe and a big beard holding a clipboard where he had all my failings and that he could check off. But he also kept telling me, be perfect. And I'm going to keep reminding you how you're not. It was a no-win situation. And it dawned on me about a year ago that I had been carrying resentment toward that idea of God for so long that it was getting in the way. And I had to get rid of that. And a couple of my daughters have said that they're having a little trouble with believing in God. And I said, I'm not going to preach to you. I'm just going to say one thing. Take a look at your concept of God. Does it need to be updated? Maybe you're still reacting to the God of your childhood or something. You know, he's a lot bigger than that. Don't limit him. Give him a chance. You know, and I th- it just did a lot of good for me because I really resented that God and was angry at him. But it was down under there where I wasn't even all that conscious of it. But every time something went wrong, I got mad at him. Well, I think it came from that. You know, it was that no-win situation. I didn't think he accepted me, and he expected the impossible. So now I try to listen to what I refer to as a still small voice inside. Uh, instead of listening to the urgings of lust, I try to listen to the urgings of God. It's often an urge. Like I gave an example yesterday. I was doing a session and I was about to say something. Somebody put their hand up and something in me said, don't say it. Ask the other person first. It's that little, little 
teeny ways that I think God can guide me now that is different because I was so busy listening only to my own voice inside. Now I'm trying to listen to God more. I'm not perfect at it. I screw it up a lot, but I'm a lot more peaceful and I'm getting in tune with that whatever flow of the universe, God's voice, whatever it is, things are just a whole lot better listening to that still small voice inside, accepting that that's what I should be listening to. And then that makes me more living in the present. If I'm thinking about my shame of the past, sure, I have to accept what I did. I have to make amends. But if all I do is dwell on the shame or upset of the past in that, that's fantasy. That's all in my head. Okay. If I'm worrying about the future, that's fantasy. That's all in my head. And usually when you replay something, it gets worse the more you replay it. So the only thing that's really real is right now. Today, we're sitting here. Okay, we're in this fellowship. That's real right now. So I have to be fully present to what's happening here. There was a book that was out a while back. The premise of the book was the most precious present you can give somebody is to be totally present to them in the present. And it makes a lot of sense. Um, Last thing I wanted to say is I have a little saying for myself to try to... I try to keep it as short and simple as I can, and it's embrace reality, okay, that's accepting, and choose life. In other words, every decision, try to make it something that helps make life better in some way or other, you know, so just those two verbs, embracing reality and choosing life, listening to that little voice inside. You got anything Thank you, Wally. All right. Uh, we'll put this open now to everybody here. Let me uh, do the reading regarding the guidelines. Here are the guidelines for sharing. If you would like to share, please come up ahead of your t- ahead of your turn and make a line by sitting in the assigned chairs here on the front. When it is your turn to share, please speak clearly so that everyone can hear you. In participation, we avoid topics that can lead to dissension or distraction. We also avoid explicit sexual descriptions and sexually abusive language. The emphasis is on honesty, recovery, and healing, how to apply the 12 steps and the 12 traditions in our daily lives. No crosstalk, please. If someone feels another is getting inappropriate, inappropriately explicit, or is focusing excessively on a problem rather than on the solution, they may so signify by quietly raising their hand. Although this is an anonymous meeting, please remember that anonymity does not mean legal confidentiality. The state of New Jersey has specific regulations that mandate specific behaviors to be reported. Please be mindful of what you share, not to break your own or another member's anonymity. Uh, so we go ahead. Maybe you want to move over and give them another chair. Go ahead. Uh, we'd like somebody to volunteer to be a timekeeper. Anybody? Okay, thank you. Um, 
why don't we do two minutes? We got a pretty good sized crowd here. So call time in two minutes. And when you come up, don't touch the microphone because it picks up all that, that noise on the recording. So we'll try to set it in such a way and try to just sort of lean into it when you talk so that uh, we can hear you. And the next person, please use the other chair so that we don't waste a lot of time waiting. So as soon as this person gets up, the next person scoots over and somebody else come up. Okay. I'm John Sexaholic. Um, I came to this room because um, I struggle with step three. I struggle with acceptance. Um, for me, steps one through three, um, 10, 11, 12, um, I have to do every day. Um, I have to be mindful of every day. When I first came into the program, I thought that there were steps that once I would completed them, that that was it, that that was okay. It's I'm good now. I can continue waking up every day. And, you know, I, I've come to believe and I've made a decision to turn my will over. Um, so I don't have to think about it each day I wake up. And for me, that's been a, a, a huge struggle. Um, you know, I'm a, I recently just completed step two and for the second time, um, and it's totally different this time around for me. Um, you know, I, I've really had to search, um, inside myself what I need to accept. And it's, it is hard. Um, whether it's accepting my family for who they are, whether it's accepting my disease, whether it's accepting, um, other essay members for who they are, what they share, what they wear, whatever, um, or other people in the world, whatever. Um, it's been so difficult for me to accept because I've come from a very judgmental, very uh, perfectionistic background. And, um, you know, I shared before in another meeting that I had to wear this mask of perfection because I couldn't let people see what was underneath. Because if I let them see that, and then they would not want to be friends with me or associate with me or talk with me. Um, so I guess the biggest thing now that I'm thinking about it is accepting myself first before I um, can accept God into my life uh, and accept others. Um, and that program, has, this program has allowed me to do that because other people have accepted me and shown me what acceptance is. Um, by loving me and accepting me uh, for who I am and what I struggle with. And, um, you know, I, I've shared my lack of trust in others, yet people come up to me and and uh, say how much they relate and, and thank you and give me a hug or whatever. And it's just something that um, has just helped me so much. So uh, I will pass. Thanks for letting me share. My name's River. I'm a sexaholic. Hi, Pulling the Band-Aid off, talking into the microphone. I uh, bought the CD set for my home group in Kansas City, so I know they're going to be hearing this at some point. Hi, Kansas City. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and um, don't touch the microphone. Uh, so um, I have to be careful with the whole acceptance paragraph in the big book. 
Um, in 12 step recovery, it feels like a lot of people use that as another opportunity to shame themselves. You know, I just need to accept it. I just need to accept it. You know, go read the acceptance paragraph. And it's me playing the higher power again, trying to force myself to be bigger, you know, more mature, more healed than I actually am right now. And, um, all I really need to do is turn myself over to my higher power who has benevolent, loving intent for me. And I get to be immature sometimes and sound like a fool and be angry and uh, do the wrong thing so that I can learn, you know, the next time uh, how to do it better. And uh, for me, um, step two and three are really where I need to focus myself. And um, so thank you for leading this morning. I'll pass. Good morning, everyone. My name is Ken. I'm a struggling sexaholic. Um, I've been in the program for about five years, uh, and I've made uh, maybe uh, two seconds worth of progress. I'm a chronic slipper, um, and I I think about that often. And uh, there's one story I'll share because it's really at the core of, of, I think, this addiction. Uh, I was a performer in a duo, and we would play, you know, bars, restaurants. And my parents came to see me one night, and it was on a particularly good night where, you know, we weren't bad. The crowd was really behind us. So I came off after the first set. My mom and dad were sitting there, and I said, you know, in my mind, I'm finally going to get the, you know, the, the, the credit and the praise from my father that I always wanted. So I just looked at him, and he said, uh, you got to play that loud. If he had a knife in his hand and plunged it into my heart, I think it would have been less painful. And, uh, you know, he was a very strict authoritarian. I grew up in, a, in a, an Italian household in the Bronx in the 60s, so you can imagine what that w- would be like. And uh, he taught me that if you have a problem, you solve it yourself. Simple. You know, got a problem, figure out how to solve it. When I came into this program... Um, I accepted the fact that I could not handle this myself, but I did not accept the fact that I couldn't handle it myself. I am totally aware of my powerlessness. I am totally unaware of my unmanageability. Um, I keep trying to manage this and, uh, you know, the definition of insanity holds true for me, um, and what I hope for from this convention, it's my first convention, um, two words kept coming into me. One was willingness, because I don't have it yet. And one was acceptance, because I don't have that yet either. Uh, and I'm hoping that those two words, uh, along with the saying, weakness is strength in this program, um, I hope I can walk away from this. Thank you for letting me share. My name is Mark. I'm a sexaholic. Grateful to be sober today, one day at a time since August 6, 2013. Uh, acceptance. Initially, um, when my wife confronted me, I had to accept the, the consequences of uh, the pain and suffering that I had um, imposed upon her and my family. Um, I wasn't willing initially to uh, accept that I was a sexaholic or a grateful sexaholic. I would go to meetings and people would say, I'm a gratefully recovering sexaholic. And I was like, are you crazy? Um, 
I couldn't accept that people in the rooms laughed. Uh, and so I, I wasn't accepting of the fact that it, the, the fellowship that we all had something in common. Um, but in doing the steps and especially in doing step four, I, I, it was a revelation that the problems that I've had in my life, uh, were consistent. And, um, and that was very encouraging. Uh, but despite taking six and and seven and the remainder of the steps, I still struggle with the acceptance of, of understanding what acceptance means. I want you to accept me. I want you to accept that I am a good person, that I am a caring person, that I am a loving person. And when you don't, um, I get resentful. That's a, that's an important thing that I don't get to determine the outcome. I, but I must accept the, the outcome, even if they're not necessarily negative consequences. I had an experience this week where I, I wanted to be given a level of responsibility at work. Uh, it was within my job description and, and I was being prevented. And someone counseled me at work, and then I went back to my office and I read the acceptance prayer, and I had to give it up. I just had to give it up, otherwise I was not going to be in a good position. Well, I wound up getting the responsibility, but that's really not the message. The message was to me was that I was willing to accept the negative, in my estimation, and trust that God had had is will give to me. Everything that I need in, in my higher powers time, not my time, because I am not God. Thank you. Time people. When it's time, make sure you make it real clear. I can hardly hear your thing, so make sure okay. you make it <clears throat> obvious. Raise I'll your hand or something. Screen that. Sorry. I'm Alan Sexaholic. <laughs> Uh, acceptance was uh, really a difficult thing for me. I had to do everything myself. I didn't even understand the word. and um, But I kept coming to meetings because my life was horrendous. Uh, and uh, I couldn't stand myself. And I needed something. So I kept coming to meetings. And I learned acceptance very slowly. But I learned it from the group I was in. They accepted me. I never felt accepted anyplace else. I felt that I was, I could learn from them. And that was the beginning for me. And, um, and my life has changed dramatically because, uh, I have been sober now for almost three years. And, uh, my family life and my f- children and grandchildren, um, have accepted me. And that's because I accept them as they are. And I want to give a little example that happened in this meeting today on why this is such a great program. This room is full. A little earlier, someone walked in the door, didn't see a seat, and sat down on the floor and sat there for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Somebody else opened the door, walked in, looked around, saw it fall, walked out, came back with a chair, put the chair down, tapped that young man on the shoulder and said, here, sit here, and then left and found, actually found another chair here, accepting who we are for the benefit of others is 
the great fact for me that keeps me sober. So thank you. Morning. My name is Alan. I'm also Alan, also a sexaholic. Um, thank you so much. I was just wondering, maybe you could um, tell us where you found the, um, that full serenity prayer. I'd love to get it. I'm sure if I wanted to hear where it was, I'm sure others will as well. Um, I do um, love this um, topic, and I didn't want to share, and that's when I knew I needed to share. Um, the reason why I love this topic is that I struggle with it so much. Um, five years ago, I lost long-term sobriety in this program, and I haven't been able to muster up any um, great amounts of time. Yet, when I look at myself where I am now and five years ago, I have uh, progressed tremendously. I used to be extremely judgmental of anybody who would slip. I said, just follow the steps. What's the big deal? And then I found out that that's not necessarily so with all of us. I really didn't do a lot to stay sober. It was pretty effortless. Um, just woke up every morning, made my calls, did my readings. And I still do all that. Yet, I still can't seem to get any time. But my judgmentalism has diminished. Uh, I'm a lot more compassionate and empathetic for people who do slip. I seriously don't judge them, which is beyond me, because I came in extremely judgmental <clears throat> in this program. And I still want to control the outcome of my recovery. And God has a plan for me. He says, all right, Alan, you want to be a better person? I'm going to make you a better person. I'm going to have you lose your sobriety, get you back down into the size that you belong and stop being this headstrong person who thinks he knows it all and thinks he's hot, whatever, um, in essay. And um, really, it's humbling, no question about it on a daily basis. And um, I can't thank you enough for the shares. can't thank you enough for letting me share. And uh, thanks. Thanks, thanks, Alan. Thanks, Alan. Hi, everybody. I'm Dave, I'm a sexaholic. Hey. Uh, when I think about acceptance, uh, and you know what I was taught is acceptance of the circumstances and my life as it presents itself to me, um, and you, and that takes me right back to the to the big book. I just want to read very briefly because this is very powerful for me because this is exactly where I was in my life, and it says, uh, on the basis we are almost always in collision with something or somebody, even though our motives are good. Most people are try to live by self propulsion. Each person is like the actor who wants to run the whole show, is forever trying to arrange the lights, the ballet, the scenery, the rest of the players on his own way. And and that was me prior to coming into SA. And, uh, um, you know, it falls along the same lines of dependency relationships. And, you know, I look to other people to help me see that I was the one that can fit in. Uh, I controlled the lives of my children, my wife. I tried to control my coworkers and everything like that. And, um you know, my sponsor taught me that I had to accept things the way they are. I can't change people. Um, I can't control people. And, you know, when I took a step back and looked at my life, and I, I was doing a lot of that. And today, uh, I look at people for how they are. And, you know, I may differ with uh, what they think, um, but I allow them to 
to uh, embrace that themselves. I don't try to change people. And so when I stop trying to change the circumstances of my life and those around me, my life becomes simplified. And when my life becomes simplified, I don't need to turn to my drug. I don't need to lust. And that is, once again, taking me back to realizing that lust is my, was my solution. Um, it wasn't my problem. And that my character defects and all those things that led to my character defects were the things that drove me to lust. So take a step back and simplify my life. And I try to do that every day. I can't say that I definitely don't do that perfectly because I do become judgmental from time to time. So I hear things ticking, so I'm done. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks. Thanks. We have time for two more. Hi, everyone. My name is Jack. I'm a recovered sexaholic. Hi, Jack. Um, Thank you for being here, everybody. My sponsor says I should share whenever I can, so here I am. Um, acceptance is really was was really a difficult thing for me because I hated myself. I didn't like um, uh, my lack of self esteem. My my I just didn't like me. And by working this program, going through the steps, I learned that. I'm not such a bad person, you know. I did some pretty mean things. I did some pretty vile things. Um, but me, I'm not bad. Um, and when I accept me, then I can turn around and I can accept everybody else. Cause like, we're all, we're all on this journey together. We're all, we're all going in the same place. And I can accept me as what I am and I can accept you as what we are. And we can all go along together, and it's obvious the way we are here here at this convention. This is amazing. Um, so I think with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Dan Sexahawk from Seattle. Uh, one of the things that helped me in my, my understanding and my growth and acceptance was... Uh, a year and a half ago, my dad had a, uh, a massive seizure while he and my mom were driving across the country for Thanksgiving. Uh, and so my mom calls me up and says, well, your dad just had this big seizure. And uh, they took him to the hospital. Uh, and uh, so it's the day before Thanksgiving. And so it's like, wow, this, you know, it was a big, it was a big shock for all of us. But I flew out to be with my parents. Um, and they, uh, as a result of the seizure, they're trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, and they found out that he had this huge brain tumor. So they were able to operate on it. Um, and, uh, so we're sitting in the hospital with him, um, before the operation happened, uh, so I had to wait a couple of days and, uh, he'd shared that before they went on this road trip, he'd, uh, he'd been praying about the trip and, uh, I'm grateful that my, my father's a praying man. I've been pray- praying about the trip and had a vision that he and my mom were going to be involved in a rollover car accident at, you know, high speeds on the highway and, and both be killed. And, uh, he didn't like that. So we prayed about it some more before they went on the trip and, uh, and God gave him a sense of peace that everything was going to be all right. And so, so they went ahead with the trip. Um, and, uh, so he had this, then he had, had this seizure, uh, while he was in a, in the hotel and they, uh, they would have been driving past that place where he'd had this vision, um, later that day. Um, and if it seems reasonable that if he had been driving while the seizure happened, that, you know, the, the outcome would have been this rollover. Um, but instead they found this brain tumor, which he had anyway. Um, 
He'd uh, worked in a nuclear reactor for years and been involved in a, in a radiation incident uh, a number of years before, which had affected a number of other people, all of whom developed cancer and died. Uh, and, uh, and here's, so my dad had this, one of this, you know, the same tumor that some of these other people had. They found it, they operated on it. Um, my initial response was when, when my mom called and said, you know, your dad had this big seizure was like, this is a terrible thing. You know, how could God let this happen? Whatever. Um, and then as a result of kind of going through the rest of the, the experience, um, God showed me that he, he did, there was a reason for it. And I don't, I don't know that God always causes bad things to happen because he's got some reason. But, uh, for me, it was helpful to, to know that even though what I thought was a bad thing actually turned out to be a really good thing. Cause then they found the brain tumor and as my, I still have my dad, um, which I'm, I'm grateful for. And so that was, uh, yeah, it was a big growth for me in understanding and acceptance. So thanks. I'd like to share a quick little story I heard once that kind of fits in with that. This peasant had a, a little farm or ranch and he had some horses there in corral and a wild horse jumped into the corral and all his neighbors said, Oh, you're so lucky you got another horse. He said, hmm, maybe. And then his son was uh, trying to break the horse and it threw him and he broke his leg. And there, all his neighbors were like, Oh no, how terrible. He says, hmm, maybe. Well, then the czar decides or king or whatever decides to go to war and they're drafting all the young men. Guess who didn't get drafted? His son, because he had a broken leg and the neighbors are all, Oh, you're so lucky. Your son didn't get drafted. He said, Maybe it's like we never really know for sure where something's going to lead. So, yeah, thanks, Wally. Uh, let me just mention one other thing too. You know, uh, acceptance relates so much to the third. You know, the the uh, third step too. And what I think is so important too in the third step is uh, in all the steps is humility. Uh, I went to. Uh, See Doctor, you know, to Doctor Bob's place in Akron here a number of years ago, and uh, there uh, I found this prayer uh, of humility that was by uh, uh, Doctor Bob, and I just like to read it, uh, and then we'll go ahead and close at this point. Humility, perpetual quietness of heart. It is to have no trouble. It is never to be fretted or vexed, irritable or sore, to wonder at nothing that is done to me, to feel nothing done against me. It is to be at rest when nobody praises me, when I am blamed or despised. It is to have a blessed home in myself where I can go in and shut the door and pray to my Father in secret and be at peace, as in a deep sea of calmness, when all around and about is seeming trouble. In closing, anything you have heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. The principles of SA are found in our 12 steps and 12 traditions. Remember that we never identify ourselves publicly with S.A. in the press, radio, TV, or films. Neither does anyone speak for S.A. This is an anonymous program. Please keep the name, address, and phone number of anyone you meet or learn about in S.A. to yourself. The shares we have heard here 
were told in confidence, please do not repeat what you have heard about another member to anyone who was not actually here at this meeting at the time that it was shared. Please, what we say here, when we leave here, let it stay here. Here, here. Would you like to lead us in a, in a serenity prayer? Why don't we do the third step prayer because that's what this particular session is supposed to be focused on. God, God, I offer myself to thee to build with thee and do with thee as thou wilt. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those that have help, thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Keep coming back, it works if you work it, so works if you work it. And don't forget to sign up for San Antonio and St. Louis next year. What? Yeah. I did. Well, I counted the chairs and we had more than that, so I figured about 50. The first time your thing went off. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.